the team. And a big hand for Josh in the corner, who's helping us out, uh, giving Adam's arms a rest. Not this Adam, the other Adam who drums every week. Um, yeah, well, Adam Sowerby, I've got to say something. I felt it for you a little bit. At the beginning when you said it, good evening to everybody, and are you aware? And you never really got anything back, did you? No, I'll just take a look. Do you want to try it again? All right, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Are we all awake? Oh, yeah, you do with the pasta, wouldn't you? I didn't even think that was that great. Hey, listen, honest. It's like, I, I, it was perfect what Barry said, because I was going to say something. Sunday evenings are no less more important than the morning ones. It's not a sleepy service, all right? So me and Barry have been in meetings all afternoon, virtually. So um, we've... Uh, I brought a change of shoes to liven me up a little bit because I thought it might be a bit sleepy for tonight, so I brought a change of shoes. No one is joking. But seriously, it's not a sleepy service, right? So wake yourselves up because does God speak any less in an evening? No. So if God spoke powerfully this morning, like he did, then God's going to speak powerfully this evening, not because of me, but because he's God. And that's what God does. Um, So I went... um, away. i just like to say that my husband, the last twice he's preached, because he's had the microphone, has said a heck of a lot about me. I have not been on my holidays, like he says I have, because he's had to look after the children. I've been away working, and, and, and do you know what he says to me, right? He rings me up one night, it's like eight o'clock at night, and, and I'm not even home yet, right? Like, home, home in London, and he says, and I sat down all day, and he laughs at me for saying that comment, right? He always laughs at me for that. He said, I've not sat down all day. He says, I've been on the go all day. And I went, really? I said, and Barry, you're only doing half of my job. And you've not sat down all day. So now I have full license to say I haven't sat down all day, seeing as Barry thinks that he can use it. But here's the thing. When you're going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and having to meet people in between the meetings and talk great conversations with people, it gets tiring. It gets exhausting. So it was very easy for me to turn up to the next meeting and be sleeping. I remember one of the services going in and, I, and, and me sitting there and just thinking, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm just going from one thing to the next. I could just do with the rest. And, and I, I felt like I needed to slap myself around the face and wake myself up. I was that tired. But God deserves me to be awake he deserves me to be alert. It's like the, the minute I do that and the minute I, I, my attention shifts, and it did for a little bit, and I was, then I was like, I've got to get a grip of myself. And uh, I just took notes in every single meeting I went into because it, ma- it made me stay awake. But here's the thing. The minute I kind of switch off, what I'm doing is I'm taking away from his greatness and I'm taking away from his power and I'm taking away from his life-giving word and actually kind of moving myself away from it and becoming distracted and, and not focused and that it doesn't carry the importance that it should carry. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes we can sometimes get like that ourselves. So let's be alert and be alive. How hungry are you tonight? I'm not on about what meal have you had tonight. I'm like, how hungry are you to grow in God? How hungry am I to, go, to grow in God? You know something, the last couple of weeks, just because we're the pastor of the church, it's not that we come here and we don't, you know, receive anything and we don't, you know, the last couple of weeks in the meetings, 
God has challenged me again and again and again and again. You never get to the end of God taking you on and God taking you to the next place if we're willing for it, and that's what we want. And so this message I'm speaking tonight, I have spoken it before, and there's some messages that God just gives to you, and he just drops into you, into you, and you know that it's for something beyond what you originally prepared it for. And so in the night last night, I kept waking up, and, and I knew that this was the message that needed to come tonight, and Byron Henry rightly said it's somebody that is possibly my favorite Bible character. So the series, What Makes Them So Special? Have you ever said that or heard people say it? What makes them so special? Often we look at Bible characters and we hold them up here and we think they have reached perfection and, and, and we hold them in such high esteem and, but we don't realize that they're normal people, that they're normal people who went through normal things and went through challenges and some of them are a heck of a lot more challenging in their lives were than mine has ever been. And so we've, t- we've titled this, What Makes Them So Special? And we've done that on purpose. Because you can look at them and think that. And actually, when we bring it down and we just realize they were just normal people. And the way they conducted themselves and the way they lived their lives is applicable to us today. It's applicable to us today. They're no different to us. But the thing is that that's come out of the, the last few that we've done. We've done Abraham, Isaac, Joshua, and David so far. And the thing that's come out with all of them is two things. They said yes to God. Dead simple. They said yes to God. No matter what they thought it was going to look like, they said yes. And the other thing that came out was that everything they did required bravery. It required them to be brave. It required them to step into the unknown. It required a leap of faith. But the thing is, they knew God and they knew their trust was in him. And God has created us brave people. If he put his breath in us, if we have the breath of God in us, we are brave people. If we have the breath of God in us, we are overcomers. If we have the breath of God in us, we are victorious. We are not defeated. And so we don't have to sit here and think, well, I'm not a brave person. If we have the breath of God in us, then we are brave because he is brave. There's a song that says, you make me brave. You make me brave. It's God that makes us brave. So if tonight you know God and you have given your life to God, you are brave regardless of whether you think you are brave. But the enemy would have us focus on our weakness and believe that we're not brave and believe our weak moments are a sign that we are defeated when actually sometimes those moments that we class are weak are part of the bravery that is within us because bravery has many different stages, many different seasons, and many different faces. But we categorize what bravery means when actually you look through the characters in the Bible and there is layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of their bravery as they said yes to God. So there's all different characters in the Bible we could look at. Many, many, many characters. You can name them Noah, you know, um, Hannah, Um, Esther, Paul, the Bible is littered with them. I want to speak to you tonight about one of my favorite characters. And she is a lady with no name. She is known as the woman from Shunem. She has no name. She features in the Bible, but all the way through it, she's referred to as the woman from Shunem or the Shunemite woman. It's like being known as the woman from Wigan, Julie Waring. (laughs) 
the lad from Liverpool, Barry Cross, or the man from Del Monte. The advert when I was a little girl, we never found out what that man's name was. He has gone through his entire life. If he is ever spotted on the street, he will be the man from Del Monte. He has no name. But this woman, she was a woman of bravery. And the fact that she didn't have a name did not make her insignificant. And there are times of our journey that become quite extreme. And sometimes that battle that we fight and the bravery that we have to um, um, clothe ourselves in that God has given us, sometimes it's done behind closed doors. Sometimes you aren't even recognized for your bravery. Sometimes you're never given a medal for it. Sometimes nobody ever pats you on the back. But that does not make you insignificant. And then there'll be other times when your battle is out there. Maybe you you have a family member battling an illness. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but you've got up and given testimony and your bravery is out there and everybody sees your name and sees what you, you've come through. But here's the thing, whether your bravery has a name or whether your bravery has no name, it has a name because it's all down to him. It's God's breath in us that makes us brave. So let's lean into the word of God because you may be here tonight, you may be suffering from anxiety, you may be suffering from depression, you may be struggling with finances, your marriage may be falling apart. I have no idea what is going on in your world, but what I do know is I look around and I see a lot of faces and I know a lot of stories and I'm telling you something, the room is full of brave people. And I know when I'm brave, there's still always more. It's not like I've suddenly arrived, there's still always more. So this is titled Elisha and the woman from Shunem. One day Elisha, the prophet, went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there. It'd be nice to know as that, wouldn't it? I don't think I'm known as the wealthy woman from witness. <laughs> um, a wealthy woman lived there and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, <clears throat> table and a chair and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. <clears throat> this is just a bit of a backdrop to who this lady is. I would say this is a very noble lady that she's a lady of status. She's known as a wealthy lady. She seems to have it all together. Sorry, one minute. <coughs> she's very organized, and she has attention to detail. She isn't a lady that seems to be on the edge, you know, like that, the woman on the edge. She does not seem to be a woman on the edge. She seems to have it all together. She seems to be able to see a need and provide where she needs to provide. <clears throat> and then it goes on to say in verse 11, one day Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to hit this upper room, to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern that you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. So she presents herself as a woman who is not in any kind of need. 
<clears throat> you have to excuse me, I've got a tickle in my throat. I don't know whether somebody could grab me a drink. Can you grab me a drink of water, Paul? Otherwise, I'm going to cough down your ear all night. She's presenting herself as a woman who has no need. She's not in need of anything. All she wants to do <clears throat> is a good man. Look, this is why I married him. Attention to detail. So she presents herself as someone who's not in need. All she wants to do is give. All she wants to do is serve. And the minute somebody puts the focus onto her and says, what can we do for you? She says, no, I'm okay. I don't need anything. She says, my family takes good care of me. So she's not a lady who appears to be lonely. She's got family around her. She's wealthy. She's got status. She's got family. She doesn't seem to be in any kind of need. So later on, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? You see, something's going over in Elisha. He's thinking there's got to be something. There's got to be something we can do for this lady. And he wanted to bless her in some kind of way. Because of what she'd done for him, she'd blessed him. She'd blessed him. She'd provided a place. Because I'm sure as he's gone from place to place to place as the prophet and as the man of God, there will be demands on him. He will have to go and speak into situations. And he'll perhaps not have somewhere to rest. But she sees a need. She sees a need, and her total focus is on how can I serve? How can I provide? But Elisha wants to bless her. So he says to the servant again, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway. Now, I want to say this. When Elisha first called her, he didn't speak to her direct. He went via the servant. So it didn't come direct from the man of God. He said, call her to me. I want to speak to her. And I spoke through Gehazi. So it wasn't a direct communication from the man of God. But this time, he says, call her back. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, Next year, at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. The promise was delivered direct. And when a promise comes to you and me from God, now people may speak into your life, but if I came and spoke a vision to you, and I was to say to Esther, Esther, I believe you need to do this. A late, uh, Esther, nearly called you Elisha, uh, Esther would need to take that away, and, but she would have to have it to her, delivered to her direct from God for that vision and that promise to be birthed. I can't birth something into Esther. I can speak into her life, but the birth of the vision has to come direct from God. It, something needs to be a reality. It needs to be real to Esther. But here's the lady's reaction. No, my Lord, she cried. You can hear the anguish in her voice. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. There is a deep anguish in this lady that has not come out before now. This lady, when asked, what can we do for you? She was like, no, it's fine, I'm looked after. She didn't present as a lady who was in need. She presented as a lady who had it all together. She presented as a lady who wanted to give to others. But underneath all of that, she was battling something. She was battling a deep anguish. 
And here's the first face of bravery. That while she was battling something, while she was waiting for her answer, while she was waiting for some kind of reality, she was dignified because her faith and her trust was in God. The first face of bravery, she was composed and she was dignified. She hadn't gone around creating a drama. She just got on serving. And she turned the focus every single time away from herself and back onto the man of God. Away from herself, back onto the man of God. When he said, what can we do for you? She could have broke down. She would have been well within her rights to have broken down, to have gone to pieces. But here's the thing. She was in a process. She was on a journey. And the first face of braveness was she was dignified because she knew where her faith and her trust was. And it wasn't in man. It wasn't in what was going wrong around her. Her focus and her trust was on something higher and was on the one that wouldn't let her down. While you are doing what God has asked you to do at this time, he's got you covered. God had this lady covered She just did what she needed to do. She just took the next step, something very practical, creating a space in her home. You could think, well, that's not very spiritual, is it? But she was just serving. She was serving. And while she was doing that, you see, if we walk in the path that God has put before us, he is making it straight. He is setting it out. He is putting the right things in place at the right time. So while she was, was, was being dignified and while she was being composed while battling something within... God had got her covered. He was bringing the man of God along. He was bringing the prophet along who was going to speak a promise into her life. But when she heard that promise, that anguish began to come out of, I can't believe this any longer. I can't. I can't get my hopes up again. I can't. The natural side of her came out. But God had her covered. And he knew her heart's desire. And for some people in this room tonight, you need to know that God has got you covered. That you are going around very dignified. And you are going around looking like you've got it all together. God wants you to know tonight, he sees your heart. He knows your heart's desire. You are his and he created you. And the plan for your life is his plan. It's one he's mapped out. And so he wants you to know tonight he's got you covered. It doesn't need to concern you. He's got you covered. And at the right time, you'll receive your promise. But at the right time. In verse 17 it says, but sure enough. How many know when it's something from God, there's always a sure enough? Because he is always sure and certain and true to his word. The woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following year, year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father, who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. Now, whenever my kids fall over, or hurt themselves, or are sick. I mean, can you imagine the, the, the panic that is going on while I'm in London and the ch- one of the kids is sick? Because they always go to mum, right? 
I always get it. I get the sick, I get it all. And Barry kind of goes, is there anything you want me to do? And I'm like, no, Barry, it's okay. So you can look at this and go, well, that's natural. She went home to her mum. He went home to his mum. But his mum had received the promise. His mum was the vision carrier. And the vision carrier is the life source for the vision because it has come from the life source. So God, who has placed that vision and placed that promise into you that you now own, he's given it to you. It, you have the life source to birth the vision, to grow the vision. It's in you. So as that child who was sick was taken back to the mother, he was taken back to the life source. He was taken back to the promise where the promise had began. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. We have a couple of friends who've lost children. And just being friends with them and watching what they went through was heartache. I couldn't imagine what they went through. So I can't imagine what this lady's going through. Because holding in her arms was the promise. The promise that she'd actually pleaded wouldn't be given to her because she couldn't bear the anguish of it all going wrong. And in her arms, she holds the promise. And the promise has died. She would have settled for never receiving that promise to not go through any more anguish. But in her arms, she held the promise that she almost had asked to be taken from her, that it would never be promised her in the first place. And she holds the promise. The promise has died. She carried him up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then she shut the door and she left him there. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. This woman didn't even tell her husband what was going on. She didn't even tell her husband. The promise that she had received had died in her arms. And she went and she laid him to one side. And she just says to the husband that she needs to hurry to him and she needs a servant and she needs a donkey. And he says, why go today? See, he has no idea what's gone on. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said this, it will be all right. Because she knew who she believed in. And she knew who the promise had come from. And the only person that can breathe life into your vision that you have received from God, because God has given it you, he's given you the breath for it, is, the, is you. If you have received the promise, if you have received the vision, it doesn't matter who you take that to, it always has to go back to the source. And she knew that she was the source. She knew that this had been given to her. 
And she knew she was the one that had to fight for it. She knew her husband couldn't fight for it because the promise had been given to her. It hadn't been given to her and her husband. In the verse, he said, call the woman to me. And he spoke directly to the woman. So when this promise has died in her arms, she says it will be all right. I can't get my head around that. The first person I picked the phone up to speak to would be Barry. But she says it will be all right and she keeps it to herself. Because she knew this outcome, the dead promise, the lifeless promise, the vision that she'd received of this child, she knew that this outcome wasn't God's outcome. And she knew that this was a time that she had to rise up. Because although the promise was lifeless, she looked at the boy and it was still the promise. He was still the promise. He may have looked like he had no life in him at all, but he was still the promise. And for some people in here, you've had vision and you've had promise and you feel like the life has been zapped out of it. And there are people who will try and steal your vision and there are people who will try and steal your promise and there are people who will speak you down and there are people who will say things about you to make you feel like you could never attain to anything. But when you have received a promise from God, it is always going to be the promise from God, no matter who tries to take it. So death tried to take this promise, but she knew this promise isn't over. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. She was off to fight for the promise. In the midst of despair, when she could have sat back and she could have had the funeral, she could have had the weight, she could have had the people in. She rose up and she fought for her promise. And church tonight, some of us need to rise up and fight for the promise. There have been times in mine and Barry's life, and honestly, some of the stuff that we have gone through, from personal hurt, to sickness with children, to financial problems, to we have been through so much but some of the hardest times is when we know what God had called us to. We knew what we had received from God. We weren't fully in it. We, we knew what God was calling us to. But some of the hardest times for us was when people tried to take the promise. It took the life out of us. We became weary. We became heartbroken. I remember lying in bed in the morning and not wanting to get up. I used to, I used to liken it like this. I used to feel that when my feet touched the floor in the morning, like a tsunami was going to hit me. And like it was just going to take me out the minute my feet touched the floor. I'd lie in bed in the morning and I just wouldn't want it to be real, what we were going through. It was the most horrendous time of our lives. But then... Because God had placed it in us, we were the source. He'd given it to us. He hadn't kept it for us to pray about it. He'd given it to us. He'd imparted the vision into us. So it was our time to fight. And we did not feel like fighting for that promise. And I'm not on about fighting with people. I'm on about saying, no, God has given us a promise. God has given us a vision and no matter who comes against us, that promise still stands. 
and it looked like we were going to lose it. We looked like we were completely going to lose it. It looked like death. Like what this lady was going through. It looked like death. It looked like it had gone. But it was time for us to stand up and fight. Because it was our vision. Yes, it had come from God. But it was our vision. And like this lady, in the midst of her despair, she was off to fight for the promise. And she was going to get on that donkey. She told her servant, don't slow down unless I tell you. Because she began, something rose up within her to fight. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, <clears throat> Elisha saw her in the distance. And he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you and your husband and your child? And as the servant approached her, she said, yes, everything is fine. Because she had a plan. And she wouldn't settle for plan B. Plan B is always the easiest option. Always the easiest option. But plan B will only get you so far. And then you'll become unsettled in plan B because you'll know it's actually not God's best for you. She was determined that she was going all the way. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, <clears throat> she fell to the ground before him and she caught hold of, her feet, of his feet. This is where it intensifies because she's got to where she needed to be. She's got to the man of God. She's got to where she needs to be. And Gehazi began to push her away. <clears throat> but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled. But the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And she challenges him. And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel, take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way, go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. Because she is fighting for the promise. She's like, don't you try and fob me off with Gehazi. Gehazi was wanting to turf me out a minute ago when I was crying over it. Don't you dare. Don't, you, don't even think, oh, well, it's all right because he's taking my staff. No, 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 no. I'm not going without you because I am fighting for my promise because it's my promise. And church, sometimes we've got to get gutsy and we have got to stop sitting in defeat and we have got to fight for that promise and we have got to say, God, I am not going. I am not leaving your presence. I am not leaving your presence God, till this is reignited in me. And she's saying, I am going without you. And so, well, I should probably think, crikey, like, I better go. Because <laughs> this woman's living determined. <laughs> Gehazi hurried on ahead. So he did as he was told. And he hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face. But nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is still dead. Be very careful who you allow to speak into your promise. Nobody will bring that promise alive for you. Nobody else can bring that vision alive. Nobody can take your vision and nobody can bring it alive for you. 
Somebody might speak to you, you might get an excitement, your spirit might leap, but unless it is alive in you, unless you have received it, unless you are running with it, unless you are fighting for it, unless you are actioning it, it will only last a time. Gehazi was not the man for the moment. And it didn't matter if he took Elisha's staff, because Elisha had to come. She knew what was needed. She knew the next step for her promise. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm again. There's a sign of life. As she has fought for this promise, and she has gone on a long journey to get what is needed and bring it back because she is not going to let this promise die. There's a sign of life. As Elisha stretches himself out over the boy, as he covers the boy, he covers the boy and he begins to grow warm again. And there's a sign of life. And Elisha got up and he walked back and forth across the room. And then he stretched himself out again on the child. This time, this time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. For some people, you've been fighting for a promise and you've been fighting for a vision that maybe has tried to be taken from you. Or maybe it's just struggling. Maybe it's a business in here and your business is struggling, but you know that God called you to this business. Whatever it is, you've began to see a sign of life. But don't put it to one side with a sign of life. Fight for it till it's alive. Elisha, when the boy grew warm, he didn't leave it there. He walked backwards and forwards. And then he did it again. Before he handed that promise back to the mum, it had to be fully alive. If you've been stirring a promise up in you again, is stirring a vision up in you that has been birthed in you, that God has given to you, and it's yours, and you're starting to see signs of life, and you've become weary again, don't stop. Don't stop. Or don't think it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It's starting to come about. No, fight for it till it's fully alive. Fight for it fight for it because the promise isn't over and some people in here you have put your promise to one side because you have become weary because you have been hurt because it all seems too great to bear and God is saying you need to pick that promise up and you need to fight for your promise you need to attach yourself to that promise again because you know God gave you that promise maybe it's a promise over you over a child when I was away from God, my mum had a promise that I would come back and she fought for me. She fought for me. She didn't fight for me face to face. 
I knew full well what she thought and that there wasn't anything I did that wasn't godly and I'd ask her for prayer. She said no. And, but she, she fought for me. She took me before God and she fought for me and she fought for me and she fought for me. So when the odd occasion I might turn up at a meeting and there was a sign of life, she didn't think, oh, praise the Lord. She was like, no, she's not through yet. And she fought for me and she fought for me and she fought for me until one day I ended up at the front of the meeting completely broken, surrendering my, my life to God because God had promised her that I would come back. So maybe you're fighting for a child tonight. Maybe you're fighting for a parent. Maybe it's another family member. Maybe it's a business. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. I have no idea what it is, but I know there's people in here and you have laid something down because it seems like it's dead. And tonight, God is saying, the promise isn't over. Bravery has many faces and seasons. Sometimes it is quiet. You know, it says in Luke chapter 2, one of my favorite verses, it says this, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Sometimes bravery is quiet. Sometimes like this lady who everything seemed fine, she didn't look like she was in need, she carried something in her heart. She carried something in her heart knowing that one day, one day, her faith was in God above Sometimes bravery is composed and dignified and considerate of others. When you're broken, <laughs> when you are carrying anguish because of something you're going through, to consider others, that's bravery. Because your life becomes consumed with what it is that you're going through. Bravery is faith-filled. Bravery is determined. And then at times, bravery is fierce. And that lady, she went through it all. And she got to the end. She was determined. She was fierce. That no matter what, this promise would not die. Because it had been given her. So whatever it is tonight that God is speaking to you about and reminding you of, the promise isn't over. The promise isn't over. You think the promise is over, but God is telling you the promise isn't over. But you need to action it and you need to fight for it and say that no matter what comes against you, we'll fight. We'll fight for the promise that God has given us will fight for the promise that God has given me and that those things will succeed and in those things you will see life where there appears to be death because the promise isn't over. <laughs>